Father, we thank you for that word we just heard. We thank you for your love. And uh, Lord, we open our hearts to hear your word. And we pray that you would work powerfully to speak to our hearts and then empower us to, to do your word. And um, Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us revelation of your love, that we would have power to know the height and depth and breadth and width of the love of Christ Jesus. And that would overflow us into our relationships and the people around us. That you be glorified. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, um, during the last couple of months, I've found myself becoming almost obsessed with uh, pulling weeds. And I think it started when I was out in South Dakota and we were helping my brother-in-law Steve pull tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds out of his driveway. And uh, came back here, and uh, this place here in Missouri, uh, if you let anything grow, it will, right? So this is like the weed capital of the world, I think. You know, when we're having a little bit of a drought right, like right now, I'm a little bit excited because I'm like, you don't have to cut and mow as much, you know, and pull weeds. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a... You may have noticed that we have, there are a couple hay bales that have been sitting out by the driveway there by the fire plug. And uh, they were there because in the springtime we were going to plant grass seed where we had dug the broken pipes. And uh, I'd been thinking about, we didn't, we didn't get to that job that day on the work day. And I'd been thinking about it and then recently I realized we don't need to plant grass seed. All the weed, all the grassy weeds have grown back, and there, there are no bare spots anymore. So um, that's that's the kind of place we live in, and uh, you know this is a really. Uh, I have been pulling weeds in places though because they can be pretty destructive. The the asphalt driveway, the weeds get in there and grow, and they can eat away. Even down at the basketball court, um, I was pulling some weeds down there. The growing in the cracks, and it actually cracks the cement, the, the, the concrete. Um, so uh, they can be destructive. They'll um, take over the gravel landscaping. They fill up our flower beds. And uh, like, like you can see there, that one's been going for a while. And uh, they'll climb up our trees and suffocate them. Um, anywhere on campus, we grow a bumper crop without any encouragement. Um, it's really, it's a fruitful place, uh, this place. And you know, sometimes things can be fruitful for good, but also there, it can be fruitful for bad fruit. And that's the kind we want to avoid. You know, the definition of a weed, what's a weed? It's a plant, a plant that grows where you don't want it, right? Or a plant that you don't want to grow. So, so we determine what a weed is, right? Um, if we wanted COC campus to be a thicket, and soon after that a forest, we'd just let everything grow and not mow and everything, and it would be fine, but that's not what we want, so we don't. Um, so the same thing is true with seeds of discord. In the last two weeks, we've started a sermon series on, um, on how to deal with the problem of discord, which... In the past of our church's history, 
has, uh, has been a, an issue because it's an issue in the whole body of Christ and in the family and in all of our society if you pay attention to the news any day of the week. Um, we can see that discord and bitterness and unforgiveness uh, is one of the chief tools of the enemy. Uh, and we'll look at why and what we can do about it. So, um, you know, multiples, multitudes of all kinds of seeds are scattered on our hearts and souls every day. Uh, without vigilance, our heart can become an overgrown thicket um, of deeply rooted hurts and offenses. You know, in the wild, seeds are de God designed seeds to, to be scattered in many different ways. Uh, what are some of the ways? By air, kind of like dandelions, or um, by animals or people walking by and you pick up these Velcro-like kind of hitchhikers, you know, or the beggar's ticks. Um, and, and they later they're brushed off somewhere else, like the washing machine. Um, there are some, have you seen any of these exploding seed pods? God created some fruits to just, when they're touched or at a certain time when they dry out enough, kaboom, and the seeds fly out everywhere. Um, and then there's that other way where the animals eat the seeds and then uh, later on they get rid of them, and plant them somewhere else. We had some tomatoes growing by our woods a long time ago from the deer that we saw eating our tomatoes in our garden. And, uh, you know, God designed it to work that way too. Um, but um, you know, the same way uh, discord can come to us the seeds of discord can be planted in different ways. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the enemy will just put thoughts in your mind or bring memories to your mind about somebody. Remember when somebody did that? To, remember when that did? Oh, that's right. Man, I, oh, I don't like that person. That makes me angry. Or just even, just even suspicions, like um, somebody says something a certain way or does something. And so the, it's kind of like the seeds that come through the air and the enemy just puts those, brings back those feelings or thoughts that, that make you offended. Um, when we were first in China, if, if you ever go overseas, you find out that missionaries are, aren't perfect, right? Trina knows that. Uh, and, and none of us are, right? So there's nothing whole... Well, there's nothing perfect about any kind of minister of the Lord. Um, but and when we first went to China, um, there were some wonderful people that were in our fellowship, some wonderful people who were our teammates. But there were times that I struggled. There were, there were some veteran missionaries there who were very um, strong people, but sometimes they would speak speak it just speak with authority and speak with boldness and sometimes a little bit seem like harshness and so 
maybe it's like sometimes your, your personality is a little different than somebody else. And I found, you know, like one time I had a problem and, when, and a certain person, and these are people, dear people, strong brothers and sisters in the Lord who now, uh, then and now, we really love. But like I was talking about a problem I was having with my teaching and the response was, oh, just get over it. <laughs> and things like that. And so I had, a, I had a struggle in my heart. And I remember after we, I think it was after we came back from our first summer back home and came back to our apartment, God, God taught me a lesson about that because I was kind of dealing with those thoughts and feelings. And it, when we came back to our apartment, uh, we, at the end of the summer, we had these like one and a half, two inch cockroaches that would show up every now and then. Kathy's favorite. And uh, I'm not so worried about the cockroaches, but I'm more worried about Kathy's response to the cockroaches. <laughs> and so um, I would, so what we would do is you see a cockroach, you step on it, right? That's, that's how you deal with cockroaches. You, you kill it. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's, that's what you need to do with those thoughts or feelings that come up against your brother or sister. And that is, you squash it, just like you step on the cockroaches. You know, you step on enough cockroaches, they stop coming out of the corners. You know what I mean? And the same thing, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And so, you know, when those feelings or thought, negative or offended thoughts arose in my mind, it's just, no, I forgive that person, I forgave that person, I love my brother, Jesus, I'm sorry, help me to love my brother and sister. And just do that over and over whenever it happens, you know what I mean? It's like pulling out those weeds that pop up and um, that's, that's one thing. Um, you know, another thing is, another way is we, we brush up against people in life. There are disagreements, misunderstandings, careless words, and other kinds of offenses that stick to us like Velcro, and they embed themselves in our mind and emotions. In Philippians 4, Paul talks about a couple of uh, ladies in the Philippian church, uh, perhaps they were uh, deaconesses. Uh, he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So here are these uh, mature people in the Lord. And yet Paul is taking time out in this letter um, to say, uh, let's keep the unity. Let's, let's ag agree and help these women to agree and put aside their differences um, because he saw that as a, as a big threat, a problem. Um, and then there are sometimes that people just explode at you or dump on you with sin that's, that's really obvious, that's really harmful, that's really hurtful and destructive. 
and you're left to try to recover. I think about the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus told. And that was a sin that the, the younger son committed uh, against his whole family. He, did, he abandoned them. He took, took what he wanted and he left and he wasted it. Uh, showed, showed no love and respect for his father or his, or his brother. And, uh, you know, the father in the story shows us God's heart of forgiveness that he deeply desires reconciliation with us, with his children. Um, you know, he was eagerly looking for his son to return. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So, you know, clearly the father had forgiven his son a long time before the son had even had a chance to repent. That's the heart of the father, right? But, you know, also the older son had also been sinned against by his brother, and he was clearly having a hard, having trouble forgiving him, yeah? And uh, so much so that it caused him to resent his father's mercy and to speak uh, accusingly and harshly to his father. Remember his words. He said, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You think about those words? You know, it's not just that he has an issue with his brother. But this, this bitterness towards his brother is causing him to say things toward his father. He is not saying, Father, you are good all the time. All the time you are good. I mean, we know the father in the story is God, right? That's, that's who it represents. And he's not saying God is good. He's saying God is evil. He's saying, Father, you, you are a harsh taskmaster. Um, but what was the father's response to him? He said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a response. He could have let the older brother have it too, couldn't he? And yet still there's that mercy pouring out of his heart. And, you know, it's clear from that, allowing those kind of seeds that are all around us, that come at us all the time, if we allow them to take root and grow in our lives, it's going to result to harm. Harm for ourselves, right? Harm in our relationship with other people, brothers and sisters whom we should love, and enemies whom we should be still showing the mercy and the gospel of God to them but also ultimately our own relationship with God. Our own bitterness toward other people is going to turn us against our God. So we've got to be vigilant to forgive those who hurt us and not allow, allow those offended thoughts and feelings to take root. Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15 says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, when you despise the mercy of God in a brother or sister's life, you're despising it in your own life, just like the, just like the brother of the prodigal son, right? Um, you know, just like it's easier to mow down weeds than to pull them out, you know, it's easy to run the mower over the uh, ones growing up in the cracks, you know, or weed eat them, but you're not getting the roots, right? In the same way, it's easy to just manage your bitterness and your offenses. It's easier just to keep them manageable. But what re- really needs, those things really needs to be, need to be pulled out of your life by the roots. God's love is like the soaking rain. Right, right now, if we try to go pull out weeds uh, out of the cracks, it's really dry. It's really hard to get them. They're going to break off at the top, right? Um, but when that soaking rain comes, kind of frees up the roots, softens everything up, and it's much easier to get those things out. Well, God's love is like that soaking rain. It softens the soil of your heart. It enables those roots of offense to be pulled free of it. So, what do we, what, what we really need? Turn off. Okay. Um, what we really need to be free of that is to have our love tank filled up. That we be so secure in the love of God that that mercy that the Father in the parable showed is like what's is coming out of us. You know, that we're not doing anything based on fear or pride or anything like that, but that love is flowing out of us. So um, what we just heard from Rich, Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It's interesting, right? We are We are all children of the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, we've got help. We've got the Holy Spirit. It does take power, but he gives it to us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. You see that word together? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, we have knowledge about different things. We know somebody did that. We figured out that they are out to get us. We, we know what they did to us, right? And we know what the law says, right? But this love surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's an amazing statement at the end there. 
that you may be filled. I, I think it's like, it's talking about love, right? That your ability to be full of love um, will be filled up as much as God is filled up with love when he's full and he's always full. That's a high standard. That's, that's a great promise. Um, but it doesn't happen automatically. You know, our love tanks are not always full. I think we've all experienced that when we're running close to empty and people around us don't appreciate it. But um, here's a question. Are you secure in your knowledge of God's love for you? You know, when you are secure, you've got confidence in God in his lo love for you. A lot of the a lot of the things we hold against people and do against people is because we fear what's going to happen. We fear, well, if I forgive them, then who's going to protect me? If I forgive them, who's going to provide for me? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to give me justice if I forgive them? And the, the answer is what? Well, it should be God, right? That's right. Another question, is your love tank as full as God's is? Do I love like the father in the parable or like the older son? We know what we want to be like, right? God says, keep a tender, humble heart before him. Do not harden it. We harden our hearts by meditating on the wrongs done and the hurts inflicted against us that comes naturally doesn't it you know what i'm saying when those those tapes start tapes that's old those recordings start playing in our minds those feelings come up the devil has a hand in that he likes it when that happens but you have we do have control about what goes around in our mind don't we it's your mind it's not the devil's mind Somebody said it's his, his workshop, but that's because it's an idle mind. Uh, if, if you're in control of your mind, we have a choice of what we think about. Um, that when we meditate on those things, our hearts get hardened. When we make decisions of our, with our will to avoid people who have offended us, we don't like being around them. Maybe we're afraid to come up because we're sh gun shy that we're going to get blasted again. Um, when we cut off relationships, when we decide instead of working this out, I'm just going to leave because it's easier. But in the end, it's not better. Our hearts get hardened. Instead, God wants you to meditate on his love for you. Give thanks for his healing power in your life. Yes, we get hurt by people, but we have, the Lord is our healer. That's his name. Give thanks for his great mercy for you. You know, people hurt us, it's true, and sometimes people really hurt us. But what we've done to God, the treason, of our rejection of God and his ways 
is much bigger than what people could do to us. Sometimes we don't understand that because we haven't felt the hurt that we caused God. But it's true. So give thanks for his great mercy for you and let the peace be at peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and mind. Since it's members of one body, we were called to peace. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who you are, isn't it? That's who all of his people are. Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, that assumes that there are going to be things happening that you have to bear with. You don't bear with nice stuff, do you? And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. That's not a multiple choice thing. There was one answer there. If you have a complaint against somebody, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, don't forget, so also you must forgive. See the word must there? That's not should. It would be a good idea. No, must. And that's the way Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. And above all else, above, above all these, put on love. Interesting that love is something you can put on. You can take it off, you can put it on. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell means, to me it brings to mind that you, you think about it. You're not just reading it one time and see it when you see it and hear it when you hear it, but there's something that goes, that you repeat, that you think about, that you feel. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Is that about the third time it's mentioned thankfulness? That would be a key thing to do, key thing to foster in your mind and your heart. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean, in the name of the Lord Jesus? Well, the old phrase, what would Jesus do? What would he say? What would he think about what happened? What would he say or think about this person? Hopefully we get the right answer to that. Uh, he died for that person, okay? That, that's a clue. You know, and then it finally says, giving thanks, one more time, to God the Father through him. You know, if you do these things and are rooted in his love for you, then you will forgive and trust God just like Jesus did. In fact, when he got on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That doesn't mean you shouldn't forgive if somebody does know what they're doing, okay? But we wanna be like Jesus. We've been called to be like Jesus.
1 Peter 4, 8 says this, above all, that means this is the most important thing, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Notice a couple things there. It assumes that you're loving people who are sinning against you. And the other thing, it says a multitude of sins, which means you have to forgive and love repeatedly. And that's okay. God assumes that's going to happen. Praise the Lord. You know what? He's done the same for us. He's done greater than that for us. I'd just like to close with just a, a story of forgiveness um, that I came upon uh, as I was preparing for this. Uh, during the Rwandan genocide in 1994. Now, we've all been sinned against, right? But genocide is about as bad a kind of sin as, <laughs> as can happen in the world. In 1994, the Hutu majority of Rwanda, they controlled the government. They slaughtered an estimated 500,000 to a million uh, of the na nation's Tutsi population during a 100-day period. The entire family of a woman named Immaculate Ilibagiza, probably may not be pronouncing that right, her whole family was massacred one day. And uh, her life was spared because she and seven other women hid in a small bathroom during the ordeal. Uh, I haven't read all about it, but there were miracles that happened as she turned. She's a Catholic, okay? Um, but she believed in God and um, her life was spared. She chose to forgive the people behind the death of her family because she felt that bitterness and hatred would only destroy her. She went on to write a best-selling book entitled Left to Tell and founded something called the Left to Tell Charitable Fund in order to help children who have been orphaned due to genocide. In her second book, Led by Faith, she writes this. I hope that those who listened to my story would see that my shattered heart had been mended through forgiveness and ask, if her heart can recover, why not mine? Why couldn't forgiveness heal a million broken hearts and revive a broken nation? The answer is that it can heal all hearts and nations. That was the story that needed to be told. That was my story. She went on to write, As I stumbled through the aftermath of the Holocaust, I learned that finding the Lord is not enough. We have to keep him in our heart always. We need to constantly discover God anew, trust him in all things great and small, and make sure that he remains part of our daily life. We must always allow our hearts to be led by faith. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's forgiveness. I mean, that's, that's a testimony. Um, but what she was, her question, you know, if my heart can be healed from that kind of hurt, and having your whole family murdered is about as bad as it gets, I'm guessing, that why not everybody?
In other words, in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions, there's pain when you get sinned against, when people hurt you. Uh, little things and big things, they stick in there. But the love of God can heal. And that if we walk with him every day with a thankful heart, remembering his mercy for us, um, meditating on his goodness, we will gain his heart. We will be filled up with that love. He longs to give us a deeper understanding of his love. And that will heal us and that will overflow to us just like we see in this woman in her life. How that's overflowing uh, to the people around her coming out of this awful, terrible thing. God does not condone sin. That's why Jesus died. The, the thing is, it's already been paid for. Now, I like to pray the Lord's Prayer every day and go through that as a model. And, you know, when we get to that part, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I remind myself, thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for my sins and the sins committed against me that other people do. It's already been paid for. So he's not, being, he's not taking sin lightly when he forgives so easily. When that father ran to his son, it's because the son's sin had already been paid for because that's what Jesus did, right? He's already taken the punishment. So not only can we do that, but we would be very wrong if we tried to extract more. How can you extract more payment than the blood of Jesus for somebody's sin? We don't have to worry about, well, what will happen to me if I forgive? Who will take care of me? Answer that question yourself. Who will take care of you? The same one who died to pay for your sins and that person's. Amen? So let's, let's just let's, um, thank the Lord. And, and as we pray, I'm going to pray uh, for the Lord to give, give the Holy Spirit permission to speak to you in your heart and to point out things. We've all been hurt. And then to ask him to reveal to us freshly his love and that day by day we um, will do those things that are going to soften our hearts and help us to be aware of his goodness to us every day. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did for us. And Lord, we repent of our sins that we've committed against you and, and against other people. Lord, if there are people we need to go and repent to, I pray that you would grant us the grace to do so. And Lord, we thank you for your love. And Lord, we, we know that what other people have done to us is never going to be as bad as what we did for, to you. And yet you've already paid the price. The payment has already been made completely. Lord, we receive your love. We receive your love right now. And as we receive it, we also extend it and let it overflow us to the people around us. Might be people that we don't know, 
who we know about and we're angry against. There's a lot of sin in our society. And so, Lord, we just forgive groups of people, groups of people who we look at and say, how can they do that? How can they think that way? And, Lord, we forgive those people who have hurt us. And it does hurt, but, Lord, you, you are the healer. And you, you bring healing to us. You are our protector. You are the one who watches our back. You are the one who is beside us. So we pray for, we, we, we just declare, we forgive. How could we not forgive? We surrender those things to you. We put those hurts before the cross, at the foot of the cross, and ask that you would uh, make our hearts soft and pliable. Give us grateful hearts. Make us aware of your love for us each day. Transform our lives and let us become agents of healing in, in, in our circle that we walk in and in our society, Lord, that the gospel might go forward with power and love through our lives. Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.